0: all right good morning good afternoon or good evening everybody today is thursday june the 3rd 2021 and we actually have at least i would say for the second day in a row we have uh quite a bit of news to cover so let's jump right into it this is news from all around the world by the way so first off george p bush has announced uh, his run for texas attorney general Look, it's in the family, I guess, you know, he's not, uh, I guess, taking too much of a political risk, if you will, with regards to running for a public office in the sense of, you know, a governor or something like that. He probably knows he's not going to win because of the last name. Again, it's a um, the Bush last name is a legacy name, just like the Clinton name. It's, you know, it's a. Uh, At this point, the name is tattered. It's been known to be associated with the establishment, the deep state, you know, uh, certain elements of the military industrial complex, you know, big oil, big pharma, you name it. So... The, the move seems to be pretty conservative uh, at the same time, though, if that's what uh, Mr. Bush wants in this particular case, to run for uh, the Attorney General of Texas, maybe for more of a long-term goal. Again, he has the right to do it, but we can't deny the fact that it's, uh, it's in the family, right? Whether you like them or not, you can't say that, uh, you can't not say that about the Bush family, so... The next thing is that Amazon and Barnes & Noble have removed the pre-order slot for Dr. Fauci's book uh, from their websites due to the email issue, it seems. The recent FOIA dump of uh, some of Anthony uh, Fauci's emails. Look, again, here's the thing. Um... Amazon and Barnes and Noble, for them to remove Fauci's book, again, even whether it's just a pre-order slot or the slot for the actual book itself, they've scrapped it out entirely, and I'm thankful that I waited a little bit in the day to record this because the a lot of news surrounding this and other things broke just in the past uh, couple of hours, so... Um, when we look at this, we have no other choice but to say, okay, do, is Amazon aware of something? Did they have people go through those emails uh, shortly after they came out? And are they you know, a little bit ahead of the game with regards to removing Fauci's book from their website? It, it, it's hard to say, but again, if there's nothing there then why would they remove this right maybe again maybe they don't want to get caught up in the controversy but again you could also argue not catching yourself or bringing yourself to be involved in that controversy as a business or a company would be to keep that person's book or pre-order slot on the shelf virtually or literally right in this case they removed it so maybe they do know something uh the next thing and by the way i am sifting through the the fauci emails there's a bunch of different things in there that's really some of it is i would say a nothing burger a lot of it at the same time too is very very concerning certain things there we could see that he may have had access to classified things and what have you and you know that's a whole other story but anyways uh, the next thing is that Arizona plans to execute prisoners with a lethal gas that the Nazis used at Auschwitz so when when I here's the thing this is tough this is controversial from an ethical and moral standpoint with that being said in the eyes of the law it again it is the state's rights from my understanding i'm not a constitutional scholar by any metric but the state of arizona does have the right to do this to bring this form of punishment back to the death penalty if they like with that being said do the people agree with it i mean look i always stand by the same consistent i guess we could say perspective if you will if the people of arizona agree with such a decision then look whether or not everybody on the outside or everyone else outside of Arizona agrees with it or with it or not. Again, it depends. Like I mean, for example, uh, it's like saying should people who rape and murder children deserve to die? Again, the Arizona does have the death penalty, so it seems like um, you know in a lot of cases that that's going to be the case, right? So. The next thing is that uh, Israel may be held for war crimes at the UN due to some alleged targeting of buildings that had no Hamas targets in, above, or below it. Okay, here here's the thing about that. It's tough. And recently, I do have to say it's been very... Uh, how can I say this? Um, it's been very tough to... It's been very tough to report these, these instances without seeming like you know, uh, I'm taking a side. And the reason why I say that is because unless we were there on the ground... I would, I would say, and I do say this, don't trust me, don't trust any news outlet. It's very difficult. At the end of the day, like I said, the only people that that really did suffer were the innocent Israelis in addition to the innocent Palestinians. So it's tough. Now, again, the reality of things is that the United Nations will probably do what they always do. They'll take anywhere from one to five years to say, okay, is Israel an apartheid state or not? Did they violate certain human rights things? Are they a war criminal or this or that? And then what's going to end up happening the un may make a decision make a vote on it but then nothing in reality will actually happen again just like anything else in life you can have all the fancy labels but ultimately if there's nothing to uh if there's nothing to substantiate or take action on those labels that you have now been called as a nation as a country as an institution whatever then it doesn't it doesn't mean jack shit and it's true right so again because this is the ultimate sort of concept of the UN just like many other things like with NATO, for example, the US has the strongest pull at the UN unofficially and arguably officially as well too, right? So, when we look at that, it's kind of like, okay, the US and Israel are both going to use their influence to make sure that if the UN, for public appearance purposes, has to label Israel an apartheid state, or say they're committing war crimes or whatever, that's fine and dandy, but it's not going to be, and I'm saying this from the perspective of the ones that want to keep things hush-hush, uh, you know, it's fine if it's done publicly, but as long as there's no literal repercussions on on the, the state of Israel, then you know, that's, that, that's just the way it's going to go, right? So, the uh, the next thing is that uh, Qatar released a Kenyan man charged with spreading misinformation. Now, this is interesting because... Again, we have to define what the country and state of Qatar would refer to as misinformation. With that being said, there's always two sides to this. If this person was in fact spreading misinformation, I'm not sure what the free speech rights are in Qatar, but I'd like to think nowadays within developed countries, again, Qatar, a it, it, little bit of uh, debate with regards to the condition of the country, right? But um, overall, I will say though that... This person should not have been jailed, whether they were lying or not, or whether they knew they were spreading misinformation or not. At the end of the day, it is free speech. And again, this this does, you know, uh, create a bit of an issue when it comes to, you know, other countries trying to influence other nations' elections using social media. I'm not talking about Russia. I'm just saying in general. Happens all the time, especially nowadays, right? It is an issue, and I do agree with that. It is an issue. But again, we... You can't conflate that, and there must be a line drawn with how to stop certain countries while also protecting free speech, but it is a very, very difficult issue, and again, this is one of the big problems with the technology moving faster than the culture or the overall the accumulation of the mindset of the masses of the people of, of, of Earth, really, uh, to, to be honest with you. So, uh, The next thing is that Netanyahu is going to—well, uh, okay, this is interesting— Netanyahu's Netanyahu's uh, plan to take charge in Israel is what some headlines are saying, basically saying that Netanyahu's, uh, you know, political opposition, a lot of them leading this coalition were, in fact, uh, his protégés or his apprentices, if you will. Now, Netanyahu may in fact come back to being in power. And the reason why I say this is because according to people familiar with the matter, uh, familiar with Israeli politics, the opposition coalition is formed, but it is allegedly very unstable. So, do we rule Netanyahu out? No, and I will also tell you why too. Now, uh, I am not a full-on expert of Israeli politics, but what I do know is that Israeli politics tend to work a little bit differently than Western politics. If you lose, for example, a... uh, an election bid or an election run it's not like in the west where you know you're pushed away from the political spectrum and nobody talks about you anymore and that's it in israel it's a little bit different with regards to the system they have set up which i find to be quite intriguing and interesting to be honest with all of you which is that again netanyahu if he loses this he still is the leader of his um of his likud party which is the largest party right now in israel he could very well come back if the coalition of uh, does not stay still stable and is uh, and basically false if the the new incoming regime or incoming administration uh, doesn't keep it together, literally and metaphorically. So it's very interesting how the way Israeli politics works, for those watching on YouTube you see what I'm doing with my hands, is kind of like the second one side's unbalanced they throw it to another side. Now also keep in mind too, that allegedly the incoming administration is even more ultra-nationalist or far-right, you know, allegedly if you will, than Netanyahu. So It'll be interesting to see what will happen here. Again, some are saying Netanyahu, it wasn't so much his policies or his politics as much as it was him constantly wanting to go to war compared to other leaders saying, you know, we have the same views as Netanyahu except for the going to war part. There's so many different angles to this that, again... I'm not telling all of you or any of you what to think or how to feel or anything like that. I encourage you to do your own research. But ultimately, this is what's uh, this is what's happening. And the way that politics works there is quite interesting. The next thing is that global food prices are surging, Uh, again, stoking mass inflation fears. Look, again, this is the whole conversation about the American dollar and the, the value of the global currency and not just the American dollar, but the euro, the pound, the yen, all that different stuff, right? So we'll Again, it, th- there's always fears from the different analysts and what have you, but the question remains, you know, can we keep the global currency stable relative to not co- not just COVID, excuse me, but also relative to cryptos and things like that, right? It's going to be very interesting. Uh, the next thing is that the U.S. military has admitted to killing 23 civilians around the world in 2020. Again. It, it's difficult because the question becomes, was this intentional or not? There's also speculation that the Pentagon covers and the CIA covers up mass casualty deaths in terms of not just in the double digits, but in the triple or quadruple digits um, that they that they deem to be militants. I know that there was recently a, uh, a revelation that, Under the Obama and Trump administration, I will say to be fair and consistent, any uh, innocent or people who were deemed not to be terrorists or threats that ended up being killed from drone strikes and bombings and what have you were deemed to be just, um, I think the, the term was casualized militants or just simply militants something like this but again they were realistically uh just innocent people with that being said this comes down to the philosophy of a militaristic approach which is that you know if you have for example 20 people in a house in in the in anywhere in the world you know it's a house filled mostly with terrorists out of those 20 people you know for a fact if you're say the u.s government you know for a fact 15 out of those 20 people are terrorists but you don't know which of the five are the innocents This comes down to a militaristic mindset, and it's true, ethically and morally, it's, I mean, again, it's not good, but the question becomes this, do you go in there and just kill them all? and just, you know, you fix the problem, doesn't matter if there were five innocent people, we eliminated the target, too bad there were innocent casualties, they shouldn't have been in a bunch, in a house with terrorists, right, the other view is, well, we don't know if these innocent people are there by force, or if they're there because they want to be there, so let's go in there and try to figure out who's who, it's two very different approaches, right, and I, will, I would dare to argue, again, I could be wrong, but I would dare to argue that many countries have used both approaches to this very day, depending on the situation, depending on the objective, depending on the mission, right? Uh, the next thing is that AMC cinema chain, the movie chain, uh, issues a warning to small investors saying that they're overvalued because now AMC is jumping up again. Um, I don't know if it's thanks to Reddit this time. I don't want to say that for certain. But, you know, for those of you who have made any profit again this time around or if you eventually do make profit or if you plan to, I wish you nothing but the best because, again, I'm all for the little guy making money, right? Uh, The next thing is that Apple wants its staff back in its offices by September. Um, Okay, so this is interesting. Now, I bring this up because I've known that, you know, uh, in Silicon Valley, tech companies like Facebook, Google, Apple – even before COVID, for years, for years, they never really cared uh, where you did your work as an employee of their company, as long as you got it done by the deadline they gave you. I know, like at Google, for example, they have all these uh, slides and playrooms and couches for you to take naps on and stuff. Again, I'm not trying to make it sound like it's all fine and dandy, but the concept is that the more comfortable you are, the more productive you are, and I think that's true to a lot of ex- uh, to a certain extent. I think some people they prefer going into the office because it gets them into that that work um, that working mind frame. Some people just cannot work from home. Others can. Others can hunker down at home and say, okay, I'm going to take, you know, the next X amount of hours to do this for work, and that's it. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because Apple seems to be more of a again they're a hardware and software company right. Uh, Google is much more software focused. So for Apple saying they want their employees back in the offices, I can understand because when you're collaborating on developing a physical product, it's much more effective even with all the forms of communication these days. It's much more effective. I would I would still say to collaborate in person than if you were on like a Zoom call or something like this right. And I agree with I agree with that fully. Now with that being said, when it comes to developing software, probably a little bit of a different story i know some of you who watch the show uh, are in fact software developers so you could probably tell me in the audience better than anyone that when it comes to developing software it's probably a little bit easier right similar to how we're doing the show now with the members episodes you know uh we produce an episode and then we throw it into the dropbox right the same idea you can check it out in the dropbox and as long as you have the link you can view it could be the same way that um Software is being is being shared. Not using Dropbox. I'm just saying as an example. You know, using a forum where employees can dump their their finished product of software, their code inside of a, a forum or a, a portal, if you will. Um, it, which is why, like I say, collaboration in person. I still think no matter how good technology gets, nothing is gonna beat it. But you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, unless they have that type of hologram thing like they do in Star Wars, where you know sometimes they could. I think definitely holograms where it feels like they're in the room with you, but it'd be interesting if there'd be like a physical manifestation or a robot underneath that hologram so it's it's sort of like you're there you know but anyways the next thing is that navy submarines commanded by artificial intelligence have recently been confirmed to be real now i know for years we've known that ai has been powering certain tanks and the military and darpa has been testing that for god knows how long but you know it's interesting to see it come into real life practice certain submarines and things like that that carry extremely advanced weaponry are being entrusted by artificial intelligence now you might be saying, Dave, what do you mean entrusted by artificial intelligence? How do you trust AI? Well, y- you'd like to think that you program the thing, right? Now, again, this is the whole scary uh, issue, if you will, the fearful issue about AI, right? If, if, if it starts to think for itself, and it realizes that human beings are the ones that are, you know, argue, arguably destroying the planet more than any other creature, what happens, right? Sort of like a Terminator type scenario. And this is unfortunate. So, I also think as of the time I'm recording this, Elon Musk's girlfriend, uh, her name is Grimes, I think recently said something about how artificial intelligence will lead to communism if it starts to think for itself or something like this. Don't quote me on that. But uh, the next thing is that a former MI6 head says that China will have lab evidence destroyed or made to disappear in a very convenient manner as it pertains to covid and the Wuhan lab leak. Yeah, no shit. So we're just, I'm just going to move on from that. Um, the Secret Service agent who helped cover up and protect and aid Hunter Biden during a drug and prostitute-filled binge is now a CEO at a private security firm. So the Hunter Biden text messages in the laptop leak, for those who saw where it showed uh, Hunter Biden... Um, it didn't. Sh- well, there were pictures, but also him texting a Secret Service agent because he wouldn't leave his hotel room because he was uh, binging like crazy on drugs and things like that. And the Secret Service agent says, "Listen, I'm getting calls from Washington every hour. Where are you? This and that." That particular agent is now the CEO of a private uh, security firm. Maybe because of how he handled the Hunter Biden situation, I honestly don't know. Uh, but it's interesting to uh, t- to see nonetheless. The uh, the next thing is that. Let's take a look here. Um, Biden's going to meet with the Queen soon. Uh, I mean, I I hope Prince Andrew's there. I just want someone to yell rape in the background. But anyways, um, I don't know what else I can comment about Biden meeting with the Queen. Big whoop. You know, nothing It just shows nothing's changed. Um, The next thing is that recently released records show that Buckingham Palace, so the the Queen, the royal family, uh, banned ethnic minorities from uh, having roles in the office of Buckingham Palace. Look, and, and we're surprised at that for what? Why? Why are we surprised at that? Why? Because Prince, well, who was it? William said the other month, he said, we are very much not a racist family. But, but who the fuck believes that? I mean, it's just a joke. Like, it, anyways... Um, The next thing is that calls are growing in Canada to actually dig up all or most residential school grounds to see what's under uh, those grounds. Um, Not just the one. Well, this is because of the 215 children found on those grounds. Okay, you got to have a plan. You can't just start digging up all the schools. Now, I understand why there's a concern for that. Because if you say, okay, there's 215 dead kids that have been here for God knows how long, who knows what else is there. And I agree with that fully. But to say, let's go dig up every schoolyard, I am sure, I would hope that the government of Canada would make a plan, at least, to, and to not just excavate everything. Because if you do that, you're going to find a lot of stuff from God knows how long ago, or maybe even very recently. Who knows, right? Uh, the next thing is that Bill Gates is going to build a next-generation nuclear facility in Wyoming. I don't want anything to do with that guy building anything, anywhere. But, again, if he's got the money and the power, no matter how disliked he is, then I guess that's what's going to happen. But, you know... Well, I want to see what this next generation facility entails, right? The next thing is that Danish parliament has approved a law to deport asylum seekers. Again, you can call this nationalist, you can call this far right, what have you, but it's their country. They do what they want, similar to the Arizona state uh, death penalty issue we spoke about a handful of minutes ago. Uh, the next thing, and this is what I find very peculiar, folks is that former head of the CDC, Robert Redfield, said that he received death threats from fellow scientists after saying on CNN he thinks the virus came from a lab. So uh, Dr. Redfield, the uh, the former head of the CDC who did an interview with CNN's Dr. Sanjay Gupta, who a lot of you probably didn't watch and I don't watch either, but I watched it just for the sake of brushing up for today's episode. He said full on, he goes, listen, he goes, I because I'm, I'm now the ex head of the CDC, he he goes i have to watch my words and all that but he said he goes my personal opinion is that it came from a lab he goes i don't have any evidence to show you today like to, saying that to cnn to in this in this interview he said uh, to prove that but he goes keep in mind he goes my he goes i've been in virology my whole life my hypothesis he said is that he goes it did come from a lab So, again, uh, one thing I want to point out, too, that I also want to make very clear is that it's very, very peculiar to me that, you know, when CNN does that interview, it's fine. But if we were to do that interview or we were to do something of the sort, it's misinformation or it's, it's spreading conspiracy theories, right? So, again, notice how... These theories are conspiracy theories until one of the mainstream media or establishment or deep state networks, if you want to call it, picks up on it first. And then all of a sudden, everybody else can talk about it. It's kind of like you have to wait till the king or the queen says it's okay, and then you can do it. Like, what a joke. Right. But anyways, he was receiving death threats from fellow scientists. I mean, that that's that that's because of his his statements on that interview. That's incredible. Death threats from fellow scientists. I want to know what scientists that are supposed to be, you know, forward thinking. And, and I get it. Nobody's perfect. But to, to give death threats, to even imply a death threat is serious. But to give a death threat, you know, so ultimately, I mean, wow, I want to know what scientists are saying, what scientists th- gave them death threats. Seriously. And if any of them are working in the government, I, what the hell is going on there? Like, that's, I mean, this just goes to show the, the the polarization of things. That's, I mean, many people have said that Carl Sagan, if he were alive today, he'd be rolling in his grave, uh, or he'd be flipping out at the scientific community at how closed-minded they are. We speak about this all the time on this show, and you all know that. Um, I'm not saying scientists are wrong, but they're very much closed-minded until they discover something else, then all of a sudden it's, oh, no, it turns out it wasn't that. Like, I don't know. Anyways, you guys know what I'm saying. The next thing is that Russia plans to exit from all dollar investments and assets and will be solely invested in gold, won, euros, and the pound, according to the Russian finance minister as of today. Um, yeah, I mean, this is interesting. Look, there's so many different angles to this particular scenario here. It could be Putin's, uh, form of waging war on the West and certain countries around the world and things like this. It could also be a a very, very, uh, unique strategy, if you will, um, the the, the the problem here, though, is that I don't know what angle this is being taken. Is Putin taking a calculated risk? Um, is, is he Does he know things, which I'm sure he does, but does he know things coming down the pipeline with regards to the U.S. dollar? Does he see something coming? It, 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 it could be so many things, folks. It's not even two-sided. It's a multi-pronged analysis at this point. Because whether you like Putin or not, he's smart, he's cunning, it's true. Unless this is a major misstep, which it could be as well too, but you know, I'd be interested to see you know the long term, not necessarily effects, but the long term reasons as to why this was done. The next thing is that Germany has denied Russian airlines permission for incoming flights in a sort of tit for tat move uh, response to Moscow blocking the Lufthansa airlines from flying into Russia again. Like I said, it's strategy. No matter what country, what time of the of the day, no matter what time of the year or whatever, it's a tit-for-tat chess game. This is, you know, I'm happy to see people are realizing it's just, it's simply a chess game as to who's good or who's bad. It's all about perspective, right? But the, the next thing is that tri- uh, tri- <laughs> Twitter, I was going to say Twitter, Twitter is trying an undo tweet version of the platform on their Twitter blue subscription service. Okay, part of my English here, but fuck that. And and basically what this is, is is before you send the tweet, it asks you, are you sure you want to send the tweet or something like this? This was something Joe Rogan mentioned to Jack Dorsey and, and Vijay Gad, which is the lawyer of Twitter, when Tim Poole was on there just grilling them. Why you'd have to pay for that, I don't know. Last time I checked, Twitter was, was, I mean, don't don't get me wrong, it's still used by hundreds of millions of people. But last time I checked, it's not doing as well as it was. Why would you want Like, I mean, to start a subscription service, fine. I mean, I'm not going to, it's just, it's capitalism, it's business. Whether you're a big company or a small company, you want to open a subscription service, that's just business. But at the same time, to say, like, you want to pay for for the ability to undo a tweet, or or to question you, or, you know, saying, are you sure you want to tweet this? Like, what, why? Why not just make it free? Anyways, I'm, you know, maybe I'm missing something here, but... Uh, and the final thing is that, okay, I wanted to end this with the UFO report. According to Lou Elizondo, the former head of the uh, $20 million program in the Pentagon, classified at the time, that was looking into UFOs and all that, um, the UFO report that's supposed to come out later this month, which, again, was supposed to come out, what's today, the 3rd, was supposed to come out two days ago, was... Um, he said it's going to be very underwhelming, extremely underwhelming. Uh, he said also it's only going to be like a, anywhere from a 13 to 17 page report. Again, again, I think Rubio, in my personal opinion, folks, I think Marco Rubio, who is the head of the of the committee that is looking into this, I think he stuck his nose in a little bit much. And he realized, oh, shit, this is dead serious. And he's been I don't want to say he's been threatened, but I think he, he definitely knows more than the public. That's for sure. And he definitely knows aliens exist, in my humble opinion. With that being said, though. Again, he uh, this guy, Lou Elizondo, he's been the real deal from the start, it seems. Uh, with that being said, he also did say that if disclosure doesn't come in a timely fashion, he's going to consider running for Congress. This is going to be interesting, right? Because a guy like that, if you have him killed, it's only going to confirm, at least for people like yourself and myself, the cover-up of this UFO thing. But again, um, I don't think they would have him killed. I think his, his image is too public now. But with, at the same time, if they really want to make him disappear, they'll do it. So uh, a congressional run could trouble that. We'll, we'll see what happens if he does end up running. So that's it for today. I know it was quite a bit of an episode, lots to cover, and we'll catch all of you later on. Cheers.